Welcome to Good Bones, a podcast about living and dying well, with Mallory Baudois and Vanessa Irena. Everyone has the right to connect to their ancestors. Everyone has the right to connect to nature and to the spirit world and, you know, to their own bodies. Okay, welcome to Good Bones. This is the first episode of season one. We're so excited to bring you this podcast. We've been working on it for a while. Um, and for this first segment, we just want to talk a little bit about the podcast, um, who we are, why we started it, and what you can expect to hear about in season one. Hi, everyone. My name is Mallory Vaudois, and I am the author of Honoring Your Ancestors, A Guide to Ancestral Veneration. I'm also the author of Italian Folk Magic, a blog about devotion to the Madonnas, the saints, and the dead, with a particular emphasis on Southern Italy and Italian America. I actually have a super normal and frankly quite intense corporate job during the day, but then most of my nights and weekends are spent working on creative projects like this that I really care about. And for me, the thing that really moves my soul, the, the thing that's like kind of driving me through, through this life, through this world, is uh, a passion for helping people reconnect with what we might think of as the spirit world or mm -hmm. the numinous, those things that within a materialist culture we're taught don't exist. And then the foundation that that materialism is built off of is an older layer of Christianity in which those things are considered sinful or dangerous mm -hmm. or diabolical. So for me, it's about kind of like breaking through those two most recent strata of cultural baggage that we're all carrying mm -hmm. in order to access parts of our, uh, I guess you could say like collective heritage or collective unconscious uh, that I find to be inherently meaningful and healing. Mm-hmm. And um, my name is Vanessa Irena, and I am an artist and a musician. Um, I create music under the name Knife Sex, and I make experimental devotional music. I also have just sort of a regular day job, and, you know, Mallory and I live in Queens, New York, and we just kind of hang out and talk about this stuff a lot, and so we wanted to just share some of these conversations that we have with you guys. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of like ego and posturing within the occult and magical communities. And there's, um, you know, a need for this information to be sort of demystified and accessible to people because I feel like, you know, everyone has the right to connect to their ancestors. Everyone has the right to connect to nature and to the spirit world and, you know, to their own bodies and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it's our, it's our right. I think that magic is our right as people. And so, um, yeah, we just wanted to, you know, share our take on a lot of these kind of topics and hopefully um, give you guys information about how you can sort of apply it in your own life and or be inspired to in your own way. Yeah. And to also just kind of like look at things that maybe you're already doing or experiencing in a different light. 
because that's something that I encounter a lot, especially now that the book is out. I have people who write to me on Instagram or through Facebook uh, reaching out. And often there's this sense in the questions that I receive for them that they're like doing something wrong because whatever it is that they're doing doesn't look like a glamorous photo shoot <laughs> right. where they have like 60 animal skulls. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you collect animal skulls, like whatever, that's your thing. That's your that's prerogative. Great. Good for you. Go where your passion lies. But there's often this really big disconnect between the way that witchcraft or a culture or... I don't know, esotericism, whatever you want to call it, is really practiced Mm -hmm. and the way that it is depicted, whether that's a depiction in a movie or in the New York Times when they write that inevitable series of articles (laughs) um, around, around October about how, hey, did you know witches don't have green skin and they don't it's crazy, have I know. <laughs> um, you know, we get that same dumb article <laughs> every year. And every year, it doesn't actually succeed at giving the public a better idea. Right. It's like I feel like they challenge uh, misconceptions that no one actually had with like even dumber, like more ill-conceived like ones. Um, so anyway, uh, I think that we just wanted to kind of share like a uh, uh, information about like what does this stuff like really look like when the rubber meets the road and that sort of thing so since this is a podcast about living and dying well vanessa what does that mean to you Okay, so, well, the inspiration for that phrase comes from this idea of, like, when we, you know, when we talk to our ancestors or when we talk about, like, you know, ancestors that are in a good place, we usually will say, like, ancestors who lived and died well. And that what that means is basically um, just you're in a good state, I guess. And I feel like, um, so because I I feel like living well is something that is going to look different for everyone. But um, for me, it's like, you know, if I'm doing the things that bring me joy, if I'm, you know, happy most of the time or as much as I can be, you know, um, and I'm working towards, you know, um, doing things that make me feel joyful. I'm working towards um, doing things that really light me up. I'm following my passions and I'm sharing my creativity with the world in a way that feels good to me. Like that, that's what look living well looks like to me. Um, And then I think that dying well is about becoming a good ancestor, you know, even though I'm someone who like doesn't plan on having, you know, actual children besides my cat. Don't tell her I said that. But uh, (laughs) um, yeah, so yeah, dying well is about becoming a good ancestor. And I think that we die well by living well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's also living well is just so unique to the individual. Mm -hmm. But I think that you can't have the one without the other. Like you can't die well if you're dying full of regrets. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you can't live well if you on in the back of your mind think that you're going to live forever. Right. And because that's the the dangerous space where other people's bullshit starts to come into play, whether Mm -hmm. that's you know, societal expectations or pressures that your friends or your family are putting on you or just stuff that you, maybe it resonated really well with you five years ago, mm-hmm. but at this point in your life, it doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. If you think that you're going to live forever, then slowly but surely your life is just going to fill up with crap. 
Yeah, totally. And one of the most uh, challenging and beautiful lessons that you learn when you're going through your Saturn return, like I am, that lovely astrological event that usually happens to people when they're around like 27 to 30 years old, um, is you do fully, you know, if you, if you go through it right, you fully uh, integrate the knowledge that you're gonna die yeah (laughs) that your mortality is an inevitability uh and that knowledge rather than being scary or morbid becomes your medicine Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so yeah I think that they're they're in a way kind of two sides to the same coin and I also think that if you are constantly asking yourself, am I living well? Am I ready to, am I ready to die? (laughs) Maybe not that dramatically, but, um, you know, am I okay with that fact? Am I okay with, you know, contemplating my mortality? Am I, am I, you know, okay if it were to happen today? Mm -hmm. That that is a really useful ongoing meditation to return to and can help you to, get a little bit more joy, a little bit more pleasure, a little bit more flavor out of life, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And just to be clear, living well is not all love and light. It's not all you have to be happy all the time. (laughs) It's not all consume, 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 go out and buy the next thing that's going to make you happy so that you never experience a bad day. Yeah. I mean, living well is about living fully. And that means experiencing like all of what life has to offer, the highs and the lows. Um, You know, the opposite to, you know, just sort of love and light all the time is also just like allowing ourselves to wallow in, you know, our sadness or, and, you know, I've definitely done that myself as well. So I feel like I'm just really learning to find the balance of between the highs and lows, I think. Yeah. And to not like hold on to anything for too long, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, but to let it Because to dust it will return. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. So um, I guess let's talk a little bit about uh, what you can expect to hear in season one. Yeah. So season one, it's our first season, guys. uh, And we're really excited to be focusing this season on our practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are the things that we actually do that we've been doing for many years and consequently we have a perspective on that has evolved over time? Mm-hmm. And like what do, what does it actually look like? Like what's as opposed to like what's the, you know, glamorized version of this particular topic? Exactly. So we're going to be talking about things like how do we plan when we know what the astrology of the coming year is going to look like? How mm-hmm. do we set goals when we understand that we're just, you know, in a way kind of a, a cog in uh, a larger, grander clockwork machine mm-hmm. uh, that is constantly ticking and ticking? And like, what are the times that our practice has gone horribly wrong? <laughs> what are, yeah, what are the times that we've really messed up? Yeah. Um, and, and also looking at topics like, like divination. Yeah. And how what is it like to be a 21st century person living in New York City working a normal job and to also go get spiritual readings regularly? Yeah, totally. 
And then another way that we're going to be talking about practice is we're going to be putting forth some sort of magical experiments where we're going to be trying out a couple of different things that we come up with for two weeks and see, and reporting back on how they go. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to have that uh, just kind of attitude of curiosity towards magic. Mm-hmm. And play. And play. And to be willing to try new things because that is how... I got to the point where I feel like I have, you know, pretty grounded and informed opinions about a lot of things mm-hmm. is just by trying little experiments along the way yeah, and seeing, like seeing what works what, and what doesn't. What feels good, what feels, what doesn't, you know, what doesn't resonate. Um, and then we also are going to be giving an astrological overview at the beginning of each month. Um, we're mostly going to be focusing on the lunations and the position of the sun and just how um, you can work with those energies in your life and uh, also giving some remediatory suggestions. Uh, remediatory suggestions, meaning actual practices that you can do to incorporate the energy in your, in your practice and your regular life. Yeah. So like making astrology into ritual, into practice, into medicine, not just something that you feel like is fucking with you all the time. Right. (laughs) Like a way of like uh, rooting it in your own body and life. And the last thing we wanted to talk about is we wanted to announce our book club pick for season one. Um, We decided to choose a book that we are going to announce now. And then in the last episode of season one, we're going to do a discussion of it. So if you want to get in on that discussion and not have any spoilers, then um, you can go ahead and start reading it now or sometime before that episode comes out at the end of March. The book that we chose is called The Way of the Rose. The Radical Path of the Divine Feminine Hidden in the Rosary, and it's by Clark Strand and Perdita Finn. And spoiler alert, it's awesome. Yeah, this was one of the best books that I read in 2019. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think that anybody who is interested in the Divine Feminine or just in the pre-Christian roots of certain Catholic devotions or Christian devotions will really enjoy the book. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I feel like it was kind of what I always wanted, but didn't even realize it until I was reading it. And I was like, hell yes. Yeah, I feel like that was my same same reaction to it. So uh, we really hope that you guys will read it and that, that you enjoy it as much as we did. And we look forward to talking about it with you at the end of season one. So yeah, um, anyway, that's about it for our introduction. So let's get going with the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Hello and welcome to our first ever astrology segment. Today we're going to be talking about the astrology of January 2020. Whoa. Okay. So... Well, first of all, we're recording this during Mercury retrograde, so you should probably take all of our astrology advice and thoughts with a grain of salt. I would not listen to us at all. At all. But if you want to, we're going to be talking about the astrology of January. Yeah. So right now, the sun is in Capricorn. It's Capricorn season. (laughs) Capricorn season um, within traditional astrology, at least sucks 
Yeah, pretty much. That that that's what the ancients said about that it. That is what the ancients said. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like uh, you know, especially in, well, especially in the northern hemisphere, where uh, like it's just this time of year is very cold and dark and kind of depressing, um, which makes sense, you know, for Saturn ruled seasons. Like I I have a really hard time uh, with my mental health for sure during uh, Saturn. I mean, during um, Capricorn and Aquarius season. Yeah, seasonal uh, Saturn- affective disorder. Is major and like Saturn rules depression literally, so there's there's that. Um, it's the time of year that the sun is farthest away, so it's just yeah. But at the same time, like Saturn rules uh, things like structure and discipline and things that are not necessarily fun, but that are necessary so that we can you know have the other things that are like more exciting and fun. Yeah, know? I feel like in a way you know, Saturn gets almost kind of a bad rap because of the fact that like, when you rule structure, when you rule like the foundation upon which all other things are built, your only option for teaching lessons is to really, really mess with people. That's true. There's no way to like learn about a gentle earthquake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and Saturn rules the bones. Exactly. And, you know, of course, this the inspiration for the title of this podcast comes from the idea that, like, you know, any structure that has good bones, that's, like, the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You totally. Can, you it's, can fix everything else. But. Yeah. You have to have a good foundation in place. And then once you do, then, you know, your possibilities are endless, kind of. But yeah, if you exactly. don't have that structure, then, you know, you're yeah. fucked, basically. There's <laughs> nothing you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't just, like, you know, build a house on mush or whatever. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, is there, like, anything you really want to say about Capricorn season in general? I mean, it is a good, you know, it makes sense that the year, the calendar year starts this way, even though it's not technically the start of the astrological year. But, I mean, since Saturn rules boundaries, it's the time where everyone, you know, it's the boundary of the new year. It's also the time where everyone is like making New Year's resolutions for like how they want their and in, in, uh, their year to go and setting goals and that sort of thing. So it's a really good planet for for that stuff for planting seeds. You know, yeah. New Year's resolutions are like the most Capricorn thing in totally ways because they are often about how you want to rise up in society, you know, mm-hmm. how you want to advance in your career and your personal life. And the implementation details are so much about discipline, about like, what are you going to do every day in order to get there? Whether that's, you know, going to the gym or uh, starting to record a podcast right. <laughs> or building a website or, you know, whatever it is that you, what you want to do. All right. So, um, now that we've established that we're in Capricorn season, let's talk a little bit about the two major lunations that are going to be happening this month. Do you want to start? Yeah. The first one is the full moon that's happening on January 10th, which is also an eclipse. Whoa. eclipses are huge in astrology and not in a good way. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like think about, you know, being an an ancient person and like looking up at the sun and then all of a sudden it just like blacks out. Like that's terrifying. It's still terrifying. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, and if you think about the lights themselves, you know, the sun as being sort of the vital force and the moon as being in the body and like what that means to have those disrupted in a way. 
Yeah, or just like all the people who maybe literally looked at the eclipse and went blind. Yeah, that too. Within a couple of months. Like, yeah, of course you would. Of course you would put two and two together and realize that this event is having some kind of pretty negative influence on humanity for sure. So this is the last eclipse in the eclipse season that started last year in January of 2019. I think the first one was on January 5th. Yeah, January 5th was the first one. And then it calmed down for a bit until we came to July 2nd and July 16th. And then the final one in 2019 was on December 25th. So if you have a journaling practice, you might want to go back and look at your journal entries from around those days last year and just kind of get a feel for like what types of events were happening particularly the events that were very disruptive or otherwise quite surprising. Um, And a lot of those events you may find will sort of relate to the major themes of the signs of Capricorn and Cancer. So we talked about Capricorn a little bit before, but what about the sign of Cancer? So, I mean, I guess if you think about Capricorn as as ruling the bones and the skin, so like the structure and the boundary of the body, um, Cancer kind of rules the sort of like watery interior. Um, it's sort of like this, it's like the Cancer Capricorn access is sort of like the soft and hard parts of us. And also you could say the kind of like mother and father polarity as well. Yeah, for me last year during this series of eclipses, Everything that went down was related either to power structures at my day job or uh, my home life because I was moving apartments in July. So I had these like really strange, unpredictable upheavals that were happening with each one of these eclipses that always had to do with one of those two themes. So it kind of revealed to me the ways in which we might think about Capricorn and Cancer as Uh, the axis of the soft and the hard, or the mother and father, or even, uh, you know, public authority versus private authority, Mm -hmm. and the life the life outside in the marketplace versus the life within the home. Yeah, totally. And I think that um, also it's interesting how um, the the medicine that comes forward, uh, you know, in during these times sort of reflects those themes as well. Like if you follow, like we follow a ton of like um, sort of therapists on Instagram and stuff that have really great advice. And uh, the two main themes that were really coming up a lot this year were the idea of boundaries and the idea of reparenting. And those are absolutely 100% a reflection of the Capricorn cancer axis. I had never heard the term reparenting before uh, the beginning of 2019. And honestly, I feel like it comes up every day of my life right now. Now, granted, I also follow a lot of therapists on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. But I mean, I think that they're really important topics. And I think that they're, they're the two biggest tools that we can put in place to deal with those issues that have been coming up for sure. So one good practice, because, you know, we are about the practical and about uh, not just not just observing astrology, although that's really important, but also about figuring out what you can do with that is to actually spend a little bit of time maybe around this full moon eclipse and thinking, reflecting, journaling or talking with friends and family 
about those themes that came up for you in your own life during this whole eclipse cycle. And uh, I'm not actually sure how, how much it's possible to understand what's happening in an eclipse during that eclipse. But I do think that it's worthwhile to reflect on the ones that have already happened and to start maybe putting together some of those major themes and understanding like, what was the plot line that was running through your life in this completely nonlinear cycle of events? Yeah, I totally agree. And also I think that, um, you know, especially um, speaking of Capricorn and Saturn, like thinking about what lessons did I learn? Um, And then also you can think about eclipses as being portals in a way where, you know, new things will often come in, but at the same time, like in order for new things to come in, other things have to go out. And so, you know, what, what, what you removed from your life or what was removed from your life, but also what has come into your life over the past season as well. Then on January 20th, the sun moves into the sign of Aquarius, which is, I think, probably one of, if not the weirdest sign in the zodiac. Yeah, I feel like it's the one of the signs that I have a hardest time, like, getting the grasp of, like, what it's about. And I think that that's sort of, like, part of its nature, honestly, is to be sort of, like, just weird and elusive in a way. Um... So Aquarius is a fixed sign. And what that means basically is the fixed signs like happen in the middle of a season. And so that's when sort of like the qualities of the season are the most stable. So it's like the middle of winter. And then Aquarius is an air sign and air sort of represents um, thoughts, uh, intellect, um, it, it represents our capacity to relate to one another. And I feel like the idea of fixed air itself is sort of a contradiction in terms. Um, when you think of air, you think of it as, you know, always in motion. And so the idea of it being fixed is just kind of weird and confusing. <laughs> yeah, scientifically, a gas is defined by the fact that it expands to fill whatever container that it's in. So like, that's kind of the opposite of what it means to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So it's like those two those two qualities are kind of in complete contradiction with one another, which I think is why the sign of Aquarius and people who are born under this sign have a reputation for being innovators, for mm-hmm. being radicals and revolutionaries, and for just kind of like coming at particularly intellectual matters from a completely different angle than what the world is used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like the idea of like relating outside of the box, where if the box is like Saturn, then, you know, thinking outside of it or thinking around boundaries seems to sort of describe what Aquarius is about in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. And so I think when when the sun is entering the sign, we see this kind of shift in the energetic quality of winter where it becomes it's like you have already been cooped up indoors for so long and it gets dark so early that you're starting to sort of like see things out of the corner of your eye. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's why often in um, at least in European cultures, this time of year, the winter, is really, really closely associated with the ancestors. 
Like they are, some would say they're closer to us or the veil is thinner, but I think it's just that if anything, we're closer to them and our perceptive equipment, so to speak, is recalibrated for the darkness. So, you know, if the sun is setting at 4 p.m. every day and suddenly you have several hours of your waking life that you're spending in, you know, more or less complete darkness, then yeah, your eyes adjust to that and maybe your second sight kicks in Mm -hmm. a lot more. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always associated Saturn with the dead as well. You know, I mean, that's definitely one of his or her. Uh, I, I mean, I personally think of Saturn as feminine, but yeah, we stand the feminine mm-hmm. malefic on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, in terms of the body, uh, Aquarius rules the lower legs, and it also rules the circulation and the electrical systems of the body. And so, um, for the new moon, we decided that we wanted to so- sort of give some uh, some more body focused uh, prompts for people to do or to try. Um, instead of uh, more reflective prompts like for the full moon. And so um, we were thinking that, you know, this is a really good time to uh, ground yourself in nature by taking a walk in or a hike or something like that. Um, you know, I would associate like doing heavy cardio or something like that more with like Leo, but, um, you know, something that will get your blood flowing and also to help you to sort of, you um, to just, you know, decompress, I guess. Yeah, going out for a walk, going skiing, shoveling snow, like anything that gets you kind of out into the winter world, whatever, you know, whatever is safe for you to do based on the climate that you live in. Um, And which also gets you back in touch with your circulatory system because, you know, we're constantly entering and leaving these states of either excitation where you know our, our blood is flowing and our heart is pumping really hard. And then other states where maybe we're more relaxed and we might even drop beneath our baseline. Mm-hmm. So learning how to pay attention to that can be a really valuable tool, especially if you're the type of person who uh, maybe ends up excited a lot, but if you're not noticing that you're entering that state the narrative that you create about it, about what's happening in your body can relapse into something that is a little bit more negative. Like I'm anxious, I have anxiety, as opposed to, you know, my body is having this response. How does that feel like in my body? Why Mm -hmm. is it having that response? Yeah, like having a, a sense of curiosity about what's going on with you instead of just like immediately adding a story to it. Yeah. So I would even say if you want to take your own pulse, you know, if you haven't done that in a while, I certainly haven't. I don't think I've done it since I was in health class in in elementary school. This might be a good time to do that. You know, what is your baseline resting heart rate? What is your heart rate after you've been shoveling snow for 15 minutes? What is your heart rate after you've been uh, meditating for 10 minutes? Get curious Mm -hmm. and hopefully doing a practice like that in a controlled setting where you're experimenting will help you to get better at understanding when something has shifted in your body. So you're able to identify why that is and maybe not create narratives around it that are a little bit farther removed from just like what you're, what's happening to you physically. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So that's pretty much the main themes, I guess, of January that we really wanted to talk about. Um, all Saturn, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Saturn. Get it? Oh, no. (laughs) That made me pretty Saturn. Oof. All right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, if you want to just, like, drop us a line and let us know um, if you tried out any of the stuff that we suggested and let us know how it went for you, you can send us an email at goodbonespodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on the Patreon page. And, yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. This is very much the way that we're accustomed to – observing the natural cycles um and i'm really curious to hear how it works out for other people yeah so hope you guys have a great january and we'll see you next month with another edition of the astro segment so for this segment that we're going to be calling the practice um we're going to be just sort of diving deeper into one aspect of our personal um magical and spiritual practices um and because it's january uh the subject for this segment is going to be planning and goal setting yeah i am personally a huge planner nerd I got really into planners around 2016 when I discovered bullet journaling. And I've definitely noticed that my personal style of planning has evolved a lot since then. And each shift, even though it might sound um, like maybe a little bit minor, has actually come with some kind of huge shift in my consciousness around my attitude towards my time and Mm -hmm. my productivity and my relationship with natural cycles. So when you develop your practice around planning in the way that you manage your calendar, um, like with a certain degree of conscious awareness or mindfulness, um, it actually really changes the way that you look at your incarnation, which is what I'm all about. Mm And I think that like, you know, um, when you set goals and set plans and stuff like that, um, and you notice your sort of like resistance to follow through, like that is a really good way of figuring out like what magical and spiritual practices like really light you up and which ones you're sort of forcing yourself to do because like you feel like you're supposed to, or that's because you have this idea of like, oh, well, a spiritual person uh, needs to do this or needs to do that or whatever. Yeah. Maybe somebody told you explicitly at some point in time that you have to be able to meditate for 20 minutes a day every day in order to do magic. Or maybe you just kind of picked it up from society at large that spirituality looks like always thinking positive thoughts or always practicing, you know, gratitude in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, we as people living in a late stage capitalism have a tendency to sort of uh, apply a productivity mindset to our magical and spiritual practices. And so, you know, we'll feel like uh, we need to, you know, be doing elaborate rituals all the time or whatever, you know. Um, And I see, we see people online sort of berating themselves because like they didn't do a full moon ceremony or or whatever or sort of sort of thing. And so, um, you know, I, the way that I've sort of have started approaching my planning is making a list of things that I, I could do you know, if I wanted to, 
but I don't have to. Um, and so that's sort of like why also during our astro segment, we just put forth some kind of reflection prompts and some body prompts as suggestions for people, but, um, you know, not as things that like, you know, anyone needs to do necessarily. Yeah. I think if you set a goal around doing a thing that you genuinely hate doing, you will fail. (laughs) You have to, you have to want to do something to a certain extent if you're going to do it regularly as part of your practice. Mm -hmm. And, um, for, for me, I think that's part of the reason why I moved away from bullet journaling specifically because bullet journaling is a, uh, what's good, good about it from my point of view is it's really flexible. You can do it in any notebook and it gives you the ability to kind of design a planner that works for you, but it really is focused on to-do lists, whether that's a daily to-do list, a weekly to-do list, or a monthly to-do list. And my life, I realized over time, is not just about doing shit. Mm -hmm. It's also about resting. Mm -hmm. It's also about reflection. It's also about observance. Uh, sometimes people will reach out to me on Instagram, uh, because I wrote a book last year and, uh, you know, they'll ask me, what am I doing for this or that holiday? Uh, and you know, sometimes I have something planned like going to your house and celebrating together. Uh, Mm -hmm. but often I'm just observing and that's why over time I've moved towards planners that have less of an explicit focus on, okay, this is what I have to do. These are my goals. This is what I must accomplish. And more towards, uh, you know, just kind of observing my life, observing my world. Yeah, like how do I feel right now? What kind of experiences am I having? What's the quality of my time? You know, what's important to me? That sort of thing. Yeah, we're constantly creating narratives about our lives, whether we're aware of it or not. And often the problem I think that we experience isn't with the events themselves or what's happening in our bodies. It's with the narrative that we create around those feelings. Mm -hmm. Like feelings come and go within a matter of, you know, sometimes just within a matter of seconds, sometimes within a matter of minutes. And it's the narrative that sticks with us after that. So if you're not taking a little bit of responsibility for that narrative and learning ways that you can shift it um, or ways that you can at least become more aware of how and when it gets creative and when is it a helpful narrative and when is it not a helpful narrative, um, then you're not going to be using all of the tools that you have at your disposal. Yeah. I mean, I think a good example in that for me is like, you know, with the new year, you know, setting resolutions, a lot of times I'll set a resolution that like, I'm going to start working out more. And um, it wasn't until sort of recently that I feel like I was able to really maintain and stick with that habit. And it was because of the narrative around it for me, because I realized that in the past I had been working out because I hated myself and now I'm working out because I love myself. And so that's, uh, you know, I think a good example of sort of a mental shift that can make something that is not necessarily always gonna be fun 
like more nourishing because, um, you know, obviously, uh, there are going to be things that you want to set goals for and habits that you want to, to, um, to build that are not necessarily going to be things that are going to be fun all the time. And I don't think that that means that like you shouldn't ever do anything that's difficult or unpleasant, but, um, you know, I think that like changing the way that you think about it uh, can really help you to sort of maintain those things, you know, because I think that things like willpower are not really real, <laughs> you know, um, like I think that, you know, habits, habit formation is a result of just doing the thing all the time, like whether you like it, wh- whether you like it or not, so that it becomes rooted in your body and then it's just what you do and it's who you are, you know. Yeah, for me, what made the difference after being sedentary for many years and then starting a fitness practice for myself was finding a form of fitness that I liked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge too, you know. And so even though it is challenging and sometimes it hurts and sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to do this right now. I always come back to it because I genuinely like it. And actually in Pilates, which is my personal, um, you know, fitness practice, my personal embodied practice, uh, one of the things that you'll often be cued for in the classes is after doing a particular strenuous exercise on one side, let's say you're doing uh, some work on your, your left leg, taking a moment afterwards to appreciate how that leg feels relative to the one that wasn't working out. So relative to the the right one in this example. And often that leg feels stronger, longer, leaner, better, looser. Um, Whereas the one that hasn't been worked yet feels a little bit tight, maybe has its little aches and pains. Um, And so when you're able to, after doing some kind of discipline, take a moment and instead of just jumping into the next thing on your to-do list to really just appreciate what you've just accomplished and how it makes you feel Mm -hmm. that I think is what helps to build the habit Mm -hmm. is rewarding yourself. Yeah, totally. Like reminding yourself of like why you're doing it, you know, and that will look different from everyone. Like for everyone, if you're talking about for example, a fitness practice. Like for me, that's weightlifting. And that's something that I've only just sort of recently come to, but it's the form of exercise that feels the best for me. I also like dancing. Um, I like walking, you know, it's really just important for you to find something that feels good for you and your body, you know, because like, I think that movement is something that is really beneficial and important for everybody, you know, um, and tailoring that obviously to your personal health and your, um, you know, mobility and everything. Yeah. So what type of planner are you using in 2020, Vanessa? Um, so for for 2019, I used, uh, we both used the Magic of Eye planner and I really loved it. It's a beautiful planner. Um, the reason that I decided to not use it is because it has so many spaces for setting weekly goals and weekly intentions and Um, I know that I'm not required to use all of those things. And I think that it's great to have those available to people. But for me, I felt like it put too much pressure on me to do those things. Like I'm a kind of a perfectionist in that way that I felt like, um, if I didn't do those things that I was like, you know, bad or whatever. So I feel like it didn't really work for me in that way, but, um, that's not a criticism of the planner. That was just a criticism of how I approached it. Yeah, the Magic of Eye is a gorgeous planner. 
it brought so much, um, so much like light and hope into my life mm-hmm. when I got it at the start of 2019. And I really enjoyed using it throughout the year. Um, I really in particular appreciated, uh, both just the fact that it's so beautiful. It's so well designed yeah. as well as the fact that, you know, each month included space to do some reflection for the full and the new moon. Um, which has always been just a really important part of my my personal practice, taking those days, the full moon and the new moon, to just sort of like do a little bit of magic or do a little bit of reflection. Um, but I also decided to start exploring. Um, and in particular, I think we were both interested in finding a planner that would have not just the um, the transits that are happening in the sky right now astrologically but also the way that that is interacting with our natal charts yeah and i had honestly been looking for something like that for a long time and i found yeah and i found something that you know i found some things but they're all very very expensive and um this year a new company just started called honeycomb that makes personalized astrology planners and they're really amazing and very inexpensive um, the planners are completely customized to you and to your natal chart. And uh, there's a se- there's weekly and monthly sections uh, so that, that contain all of your personal transits, basically. And so I'm really excited to use this as a way to just sort of reflect on the events in my life and the quality of time and seeing how that relates to the astrology and having that as a record like right in front of me. By the way, we're not like, um, you know, sponsored by either of these planners. We just are using them and both like them ourselves. Yeah, we're not deep in the pockets of big planner. Yeah, (laughs) but these were just ones that we both have used and have found a lot of value in. So I highly recommend checking those out and we will link both of those brands in the show notes. Yeah. And of course you can always, you know, just get like a notebook and, um, kind of make your own planner, almost sort of bullet journal style, the way that I was doing years ago, but that does take a lot of time. I will just tell you. And if you want to have the astrological information in it as well, you need to be really, really comfortable, um, reading that info online and in your own chart in order to, in order to get it right, to get it accurate. So it is, It felt like such a gift to Mm -hmm. myself when I went from uh, designing my own planner every year to buying one that somebody else had made for me. Like just for me. Like it even has your name on the cover. It's totally personalized to you. So I I highly recommend this brand. They're so cool. And what types of stuff do you track in your planner, Vanessa? Um, So when I'm tracking like astrological stuff, I kind of just will keep track of like major events that happen because those tend to be sort of like turning points or, um, and then just um, like how I feel. You know, I think that that is, um, I feel like within, um, there's a huge debate sort of within uh, astrology that's, you know, uh, between traditional astrology and modern astrology. And whereas, you know, traditional astrology tends to be very focused on uh, outer events and modern astrology tends to be more psychological and they kind of like poo-poo each other a little bit. And I feel like um, there's value in both because, you know, for example, if I'm having a really, uh, you know, intense Mars transit, it's more likely that I'm going to be irritated than like I'm going to get stabbed. 
I hope. You know, <laughs> right? God. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the quickest way to see how astrology is affecting you is to see how you feel both mentally and physically. And then, you know, the outer events will happen as well. But, you know, keeping track of both is important, I think. So I feel like, um, you know, I'll often just keep track of my moods um, and and events mostly. Yeah, my perspective on that has always been, like, if you accept that astrology can impact one, then why not the other? Right, exactly. (laughs) Especially given the fact that, like, the inner world does not exist completely separate from the outer world. Like they're constantly having this like back and forth, this dance between the two of them influencing each other mm-hmm. and sort of like, I don't know, co-evolving together. Mm-hmm. So I too am a very big um, proponent of a perspective where we look at the natural cycles Uh, whether that is the astrological cycle or the cycles of the seasons, which of course is also the solar cycle. So that's kind of astrological too. Um, And, uh, you know, if you menstruate, looking at your menstrual cycle and just sort of like charting all of these influences together Mm -hmm. and um, the way that it's impacting your life, both internally and externally. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I really like to track in my planner are instances where I am being triggered by some kind of event. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, any kind of event that really sticks with me or makes me deeply emotionally uncomfortable, especially if I can tell that it is kind of disproportionate to what the thing that actually happened was. Mm -hmm. Because those are times, you know, each one of those triggers is an invitation to growth, to spiritual and emotional growth. Yeah, um, a a good quote or phrase that I heard recently, which uses sort of a loaded word, so forgive me for this, but is, um, if it's hysterical, it's historical. So basically meaning that like, if something is really, you know, triggering you uh, beyond what, you know, beyond what, you know, would be a, a, what one could, would consider like a normal reaction to something, then it's related to, you know, a, a chain of events in the past, basically. Yeah. So either like some kind of early childhood trauma or baggage that you still have from the way that you were raised, your relationship with your primary caregivers, your relationships with your siblings um, coming out in another another arena whether that's your work life or whether that's your relationship or what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one other thing, I mean, I don't know, I sort of mentioned this before, but in addition to talking about like just how I feel, uh, you know, emotionally, but like, you know, physical effects in my body, like, am I tired? Am I, you know, um, am I sleeping poorly? Um, do I have headaches? That sort of thing. Because, um, you know, I'm really particularly interested in medical astrology because it is the astrology of the body. And I think that, um, you know, embodied spirituality is something that's really important and is overlooked. So that's another thing that is a really good thing to take note of. Yeah. I used to do this practice called the menstrual mandala, which comes from a book called alchemy for women, by Penelope Shuttle and Peter Redgrove. And in it, basically, you're creating a chart of your menstrual cycle 
Uh, but instead of putting it in linear form, you're putting it around in a circle and you can customize it with whatever things it is that you want to track. Like I would also plot it against the lunar cycle and the sign that the moon was in and then look at like what the dreams that I was having were mm -hmm. on every day of my menstrual cycle to start to see like what are the themes that often arise at like the same point in that cycle um, and I think the reason why I discontinued that was it was just like a pain to, you know, again, it was a lot of labor mm -hmm. to kind of create that by hand every month. Yeah. Um, but it was like a very, very illuminating practice. And I think like probably the most important thing that I got out of it was I now have a very, very, very well-defined find sense of what my PMS feels like. <laughs> yeah. Like it is a very specific mood. And if it comes out of nowhere because I'm not paying attention to where I'm at in my cycle or my cycle has, uh, you know, kind of been erratic for some reason, um, it can be very scary because it feels like all the joy just got sucked out of the universe. Um, but now that I'm able to identify that and be like, oh, no, mm -hmm. that's just what it is. Yeah. That's where I'm at. It's super, super helpful because it means that I don't create a narrative around those feelings. That's like, well, I this guess- This is just my life now. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, or like the universe actually just downgraded really hard mm -hmm. and it's just gonna suck forever now. It's like, no, this is just a particular quality of the next couple of days. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of the beauty of astrology in general is that it helps us to contextualize our situation in terms of larger cycles. You know, so when something, when things feel really bad, you'll, you know that they're going to end. And also, you know that, you know, that there's a bigger picture happening than your own sort of personal pain, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, the fact that this, to shall pass. Exactly. It's really easy to say that. It's kind of a cliche to just say it, but when you fully understand it, it's like, you know, anything, anything mm -hmm. suddenly becomes, um, you know, easier to sort of move through or to let it move through you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. So I think that's kind of what we wanted to really focus on about planning and goal setting. Um, if you have any ideas or thoughts about that that you want to share or just to talk about the ways that you approach these topics, um, let us know. Shoot us an email at goodbonespodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on the Patreon. Thank you so much for listening to Good Bones. I'm Mallory Vaudoise, and you can find me on Instagram at Honoring Your Ancestors. And I'm Vanessa Irena, and you can find me at Irena Vanessa. If you like what you heard, please consider rating us on iTunes and sharing our podcast with a friend. Want more good bones in your life? Sign up for our Patreon and get access to exclusive bonus content, including subscriber-only Q&As, as well as our special Bone Down mini-episodes, where we dig up the dirt on more taboo topics. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to drop us a line at goodbonespodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash goodbones. Until, Until next time, live well. That was cute. I love I it. I loved it. Yeah. Okay, cool.